0: Are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: The Senate impeachment trial is underway. We'll break down everything you need to know about that. Plus, how worried should you be about the coronavirus outbreak? that are more coming up.
0: This, this is the Buck Sexton, Sexton Show, Show. Where, the mission where the mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake.
2: America. You're a great American.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins.
3: Former CIA analyst, former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
4: It is Buck Sexton.
3: Now, we held these articles for 33 days. We hear all this talk about an overwhelming case, an overwhelming case that they're not even prepared today to stand up and make an opening argument about. That's because they have no case. Frankly, they have no charge. When you look at these articles of impeachment, they're not only ridiculous, they are dangerous to our republic. And why? First of all, the notion that invoking your constitutional rights to protect the executive branch that's been done by just about every president since George Washington, that that is obstruction. That is our patriotic duty, Mr. Schiff, particularly when confronted with a wholesale trampling of constitutional rights that I'm unfamiliar with in this country. Frankly, it's the kind of thing that our State Department would criticize if we see it in foreign countries. We've never seen anything like it. Pat Cipollone laying it down on behalf of the president.
1: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Just in case you ever forget how devoted I am to bringing you the best information and analysis you can get anywhere in the airwaves or on Pluto TV, Channel 248 the 1st, uh, our various 160 now affiliates across the country on radio. Um, I watched almost all <laughs> of the Senate trial yesterday. I was going to FaceTime producer Mark. Just so I could make him watch some of it with me, because it was that unfair to my evening. That's how boring. It was. Yeah, you were probably nope. watching hockey with your nice new wife, hmm. hanging out. Yeah, that sounds great. I was being paid to watch it. Oh, oh, uh, you were working. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So he was work. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least, but you were getting paid to do it. Yeah, I was. A I guess technically, audience, I get paid though. to do it too, because I get paid to do this show. You
5: technically were choosing to do it. It was on your downtime. That's true. I was not.
1: OK, so even if I had, you would have said, OK, I'll sit here on FaceTime and you'll just keep the register ringing for yourself while I'm sitting there just uh, munching on some some Jarlsberg. Do you eat the rind? That's always the question I have about cheese. Sometimes sometimes it's just not worth separating the rind from the cheese. You just got to go for it. Yeah, it's right. Jarlsberg fancy Swiss cheese or just Swiss cheese. So I was hanging out doing that and, and I'm, I'm caught between conflicting emotions on this one. I mean, on the one hand, this is the biggest story in politics in America, so we we have no choice. On the other hand, there's analysis to be done here, but there's also, it's so boring. It was like C-SPAN 3, and the Democrats, it's like they're doing a dramatic interpretation of a, a Senate trial. It's like they're really going out of their way to do everything in their power to make this seem so momentous. And then they have the media, the lib media industrial complex just piling on with analysis that always amounts to one. all the analysis you get of impeachment at every step of the way is do what Democrats want. That hurts Trump or else you're destroying the country. It is both tedious and kind of laughable and also deeply troubling all at the same time. That's what we see happening here with this impeachment fiasco. It was so utterly boring. It was even hard to entertain myself live tweeting it, sitting at home on my couch, watching this thing, trying to figure out where exactly they think they're gonna take this. I mean, Adam Schiff, first of all, should remind all of you of the dean in high school or perhaps junior high, who gave out as much detention as possible, gave detention to people that didn't even deserve it, you know, just to make a point, just cause he can who adam schiff reminds me of look at the people that the democrats put forward to make this case about the republic they're uh slimy in the words of president trump in describing nadler i, I think he said he was uh, sleazy was the word earlier today uh the president i got that one right right was it sleazy oh dude do, do we have him saying it if we do we should hear it from the president himself because he's this is one of the things i love about this president he just says he talks about people. Yeah, clip. Yeah, play that one.
2: So what do you think? Will you show up at your trial any day? I'd love any to go. Wouldn't that be great? So Wouldn't that be beautiful? Go? I don't know. I'd sort of love sit right in the front row <laughs> and stare at their corrupt faces. I'd love to do it.
6: So why not commit to
2: I don't know. Don't, don't don't keep talking because I may you may convince me to do <laughs> it. Do you think simple, <laughs> um, Mr.
7: President. would want you there?
2: I think they might have a problem. <laughs> I think they might. And by the way, I think I think they've well, I think they've done a really good job. And I think the other side has so lied. I watched the lies from Adam Schiff. He'll stand. He'll look at a microphone. And he'll talk like he's so aggrieved. These two guys. These are major sleazebags. Sleaze bags. Yes, Sleazebags, bags. Sleazies major
1: sleaze, bags. sleaze bag. Oh yeah. We should keep that as a drop, just because that'll be useful to describe Democrats in general. Let's let's set that one aside, shall we? This is my my favorite part of th- this. Is all theatrics from Democrats. I mean, it's not going to result. Keep in mind, President. Has a president has never been removed by the Senate. It's never happened. Nixon resigned on his own, probably would have been removed, but it has never happened before. I think about the shock wave if Democrats somehow got the the unholy miracle that they're looking for here that Republicans would just at the last second in the Senate decide to betray their party, betray their base, betray their voters, and you know all it would take is what? Uh, I I can't do the math in real time, but to get to two thirds, you know, about a dozen or so of them would have to go the other way. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And yet here we are. Here we are with Democrats pretending like the fate of the republic rests on on what exactly? Their histrionics, their crybaby antics. They lost the 2016 election and they're looking like they're going to lose the 2020 election and they can't handle it. The best, though, there are so many arguments and we'll work through some of them and have more of a of an in-depth because it's fun to dismember, dismantle the stupid arguments that these leftists are putting forward all the time. I mean, it's so transparently false. You should feel good about yourself. Those of you who listen to this who are Republican, which is, I would assume, a a vast majority. There's some Democrats you listen to. And we're glad that you're you choose a show that is smarter than all the Democrat talk radio shows out there without question. I mean, that that's for sure. Uh, but we're we're happy to have you on board. That said, those of you who are Republicans or who vote for Republicans, if you consider yourself a conservative, look at our side. Look at their side. Look at the arguments that they make and look at the arguments that that our team is making here. Schiff, Pelosi, Nadler. These people are a disgrace. I mean, it's so transparent what they're doing. It was so transparent what the whistleblower was doing. All of this couldn't be any more obvious. This is just their, their their second attempt after the failure of the Mueller probe to deliver them what they really wanted, really the Weissman probe, all along, which is the end of the Trump presidency. Everything else is just noise. Everything else from them is utter make-believe. But that's what they're doing. They're auditioning. It's like they're trying to join community theater here If Adam Schiff. The president has done terrible things. Terrible things. What's the terrible thing he's done exactly? spoke about something that he's allowed to speak about that resulted in no adverse action to anyone. And in fact, in that area of assistance to Ukraine, he is unquestionably better, braver, and smarter than President Obama was. There's no question. And so what are we even talking about? Abuse of power, how? The president abused his power by not actually using his power? He didn't use any power. Nothing happened. This is, as I've said, you know, Seinfeld is a show about nothing. This is an impeachment about nothing other than Trump derangement syndrome. They hate him. People have convinced themselves of this. I mean, the, the hot takes I'm seeing from the anti-Trumpers across social media, these are people with big followings, including some former conservatives who just abandoned everything they used to stand for, allegedly, in order to try to take down Trump. Now they openly root for Democrats. It's It's a stunning thing to see but it has been going on for for some time now you have to wonder at what point is it just too ridiculous democrats are claiming the the major claim right now is it's all around process let's let's break this down for a second what is the problem that they have well now they want fairness oh here here's shifty shit i'm sorry Yes. Shifty Schiff. I was, there's Shifty Schumer, Shifty shift, It gets tough to keep all the shifts straight.
8: Play clip one. I believe the most important decision in this case is the one you will make today. The most important question is the question you must answer today. Will the president and the American people get a fair trial? Will there be a fair trial? I submit that this is an even more important question than how you vote on guilt or innocence because whether we have a fair trial will determine whether you have a basis to render a fair and impartial verdict. It is foundational. The structure upon which every other decision you will make must rest. If you only get to see part of the evidence, if you only allow one side or the other a chance to present their full case, your verdict will be predetermined by the bias in the proceeding. If the defendant is not allowed to introduce evidence of his innocence, it's not a fair trial. So too for the prosecution. If the House cannot call witnesses or introduce documents and evidence, it's not a fair trial. It's not really a trial at all. So what was impeachment, Schiff? I
1: I need to know. He led the charge. He was the maestro. He was the guy running the show for Democrats to vote for the removal, the negation of the 2016 election, the removal of the president of the United States. Where where was the concern about the lack of evidence then? Here is the the, the fundamental, the fundamental inconsistency. Really, it's a hypocrisy because they're aware of the inconsistency. They just don't care. But the inconsistency, the self-refutation that this entire Sham is going through right now because the Democrats just are desperate. This is all they can do. How can you claim that making a decision based upon the evidence as presented so far, the arguments, the the subject matter that the House already voted on, how can you claim that the Senate is not allowed to do what the House already did? They voted to remove the president of the United States from office. Democrats, party line vote, not a single Republican. And now... They're telling you that if the Senate doesn't go and find a whole lot more information and get a whole lot more people, and then it's not a fair trial because they haven't had a chance to present their case. Well, how do they present their case sufficiently to get an impeachment verdict if they don't have the necessary witnesses and documents for it to be a fair trial in the Senate? Because it's all a lie. Because this is all a joke. They think we're all a bunch of idiots. The Trump-deranged leftist fools out there will believe anything that Pelosi and Nadler and Schiff spew. No reasonable, no rational, no intelligent person would buy this argument. They had enough information to impeach the president, but now they need a whole lot more stuff in order to vote to remove him. Is the, is the House just a joke? Is the House a clown show? What? Why Why would they be able to take out? Oh, because they had the votes. And they don't have the votes in the Senate. This is just all about power and politics. There's no principle. There's no respect for our institutions that they are advocating for. When they have the power, they wield it mercilessly. That's how Democrats play the game. When Republicans have the power, it's, wait, no, please, process, hold on. What about respect for institutions? What about this? What about that? Let's change the rules. Why are you so mean? Why won't you change the rules in my favor? When the rules were in your favor, there was no discussion about changing them. In fact, you were willing to do anything to wield power mercilessly against the political opposition, as Adam Schiff did. And now they just want to dictate to the Senate what it should do. Serious people cannot make this argument in good faith. If it was okay for the House to vote on the information presented, it must de facto, it must be okay for the Senate to make the same determination based on the facts and evidence presented sorry it's not going to go your way libs cry me a river
0: you're in the freedom hut this is the Buck Sexton show podcast
9: we're going to be fair Um, unlike the house process the house process you know how I feel about it it was rigged Uh, speaker Pelosi rigged it Um, I think it's clear that, as a friend of mine put it, uh, Speaker Pelosi gets little uh, endorphin bumps of pleasure every time she can stick it to the president, whether he deserves it or not. We're not going to do that in the Senate. No one's going to act like a myrmidon. We're going to be fair to the the prosecution and to the defense. We're going to give each of them 24 hours. Then we're going to have 16 hours of questions and answers. Uh, by senators, questions by senators, answers by the, the uh, prosecution and defense. We're, both, we're all going to learn a lot, and then we'll make a decision about, uh, about witnesses and additional evidence.
1: I like Senator Kennedy throwing in a little bit of knowledge from ancient Greece there. The Myrmidons, the nation, according to Homer's Iliad, that uh, was commanded, the soldiers were commanded by Achilles, the greatest warrior of the et- entire Trojan War. Um, myrmidons I like, you know, that came out of, I didn't even make a reference to the myrmidons in a long time by the way there is some interesting new evidence about the existence of of Amazons Amazon warriors female warriors from antiquity but perhaps that's a conversation from another day I know I got a little sidetracked here but I had a I had a Senator Kennedy moment here I was oh look at him pulling out the ancient Greece reference And uh, then there's also Mitch McConnell, who's just saying, look, you're not going to tell us how to do our jobs. I think Mitch is the right guy for this job because he just knows hold the line. Don't cave. Don't give. He understands who the opposition. He knows Nancy Pelosi is a disgrace, he will do anything, has no principles. Play 10.
3: Nobody, nobody will dictate Senate procedure to United States senators. A majority of us are committed to upholding the unanimous bipartisan Clinton president against outside influences with respect to the proper timing of these mid-trial questions. And so, if any amendments are brought forward to force premature decisions on mid-trial questions, I will move to table such amendments and protect our bipartisan precedent. If a senator moves to amend the resolution order orders subpoena specific witnesses or documents, I will move to table such motions because the Senate will decide those questions later in the trial, just like we did back in 1999. Cocaine Mitch don't play.
1: He knows what's going on here. He understands the opposition. He also knows that there are going to be games played by Democrats about, well, who do we get to hear from? There, there's a when it comes to witnesses. There's this line that we keep hearing that Hunter Biden is irrelevant to all this. That's not true. They just jumped to the conclusion based not just on on a lack of evidence based on, I think, in opposition to the evidence that Hunter Biden, what he did was fine. There's no question that his conduct was problematic because if his conduct was problematic and if Joe Biden was involved, then Trump's conversation, as I've been saying all along, was 100 percent legitimate, no matter what Democrats say, whether there's a quid pro quo or not. And now we're talking about a witness swap.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio
3: app, or wherever you get your podcasts. They said in their brief, we have overwhelming evidence and they're afraid to make their case. Think about it. Think about it. It's common sense. Overwhelming evidence to impeach the President of the United States. And then they come here on the first day, and they say, you know what, we need some more evidence. Now let me tell you something. If I showed up in any court in this country, and I said, judge my case is overwhelming, but I'm not ready to go yet. I need more evidence before I can make my case. I would get thrown out. In two seconds. And that's exactly what should happen here. That's exactly what should happen here. It's too much to listen to almost the hypocrisy of the whole thing.
1: This guy was on fire yesterday. Cipollone. He did a great job. I mean, and that that right there nails this whole thing. Democrats have no answer for this. No, but it was unfair because we're going to go to court and the president wasn't being nice with how many things he was going to give us. We're going to have to wait. And okay, that's not unfair to the process. That's only unfair to the result that Democrats want, which is the president giving them more information to use against him so they can try to actually end his presidency. That's not that's not a process concern. though. That's just sorry. The process isn't working in your favor. Democrats, that's all it was. What is the argument here? They don't even really. I, I watched for so many hours yesterday. After a while, it's all just blends in together. What is their response to you? You say that you cannot have a fair trial in the Senate because you do not have enough evidence, witness testimony, documents. But the Democrats, effectively every single one of them, with what one or two exceptions, one one abstention or two abstentions, I forget now. Democrats all voted to impeach the president. You'd think they'd better be damn sure before they do that, right? Apparently not. Apparently, it was more important to them that the timeline work for their needs, the timeline of impeachment before Christmas and to try to get this going before we get too deep into the Democrats' presidential primary season. I mean, this is, it, the whole thing is politics. It has nothing to do with the president violating anything. I mean, it's just the whole thing is absurd. It's absurd. It should be treated disrespectfully it should be uh, but you know it shouldn't be treated disrespectfully the United States Senate and Jerry Nadler who I mean this this is the best the Democrats can come up with I mean you, you look at you look at Republicans in the house and you know, some of the some of the more prominent Republican voices that you see the people who you know you look at guys like you know guys like Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, these are like solid substantive human beings. These are guys that you'd want to sit down and talk to. You want them coaching your kids, you know, little league team. You'd want, you know, and look who the Democrats put forward. Nadler, Schiff, I mean Pelosi. They're gonna get me started. I'm sorry, but I can't help but notice there's a disparity in the two sides between which side seems to have people that seem like good people. It's not the Democrats. I mean, I know this. This is subjective, and I get it. But it's it's not the Democrat side. Uh, and here here's here's Jerry Nadler, who's, I mean, he is not putting his belt all the way up to his uh, all the way up to his neck these days. So I guess someone told him not to do that anymore. Uh, but here's what he says about how we shouldn't really. They're complaining about process endlessly. It's all
8: all process
1: because they don't have the facts and they don't have reality on their side, so they try to make up this whole, oh, it's, it's a rigged system against us. And they also don't want to talk about precedent, because we've been through this before. In fact, Jerry Nadler pushed us through this before. Play 12.
10: This fixation on the Clinton precedent is weird. The Clinton trial was conducted fairly. But distorting what happened there shouldn't make a difference. The question is, should you have a fair trial now? Any intelligent person knows that in any trial, whether it's for robbing a bank or for subverting the Constitution of the United States, the accusers, in this case the House of Representatives, bring in all the witnesses and all the evidence. The defenders can bring in all the evidence they want. That's how you have a trial. To be debating whether you should have the evidence admitted, to be debating whether you should allow witnesses, is to be debating whether you should have a cover-up by definition. So what, what happened in the House? If we had a real press corps, which we do
1: not, the press is disgusting, journalism in this country is gone, it's dead, it doesn't exist the way that they pretend it does. If we had real journalists, they would say, okay, so why were you able, why was it fine to rush past all of that, for a vote to impeach the president, a, a momentous thing, right? Nancy Pelosi, it's so solemn. It's so sad, so solemn. I don't want to do We have special commemorative pens for this, though. They rush to impeach the president of the United States, and they turn around and say, we don't have enough information for this to be a a fair, for anyone to give a fair assessment in the Senate of this. Their argument is self refuting they have no what Schiff just said i'm sorry nadler just said is completely applicable to what happened in the house which he was also involved in is one of the impeachment managers well now he's impeachment manager of the trial but he was one of the people running committees in the house it's the same argument and we're, we're, what are we supposed to take from this just ignore it like it didn't happen like we don't know this we know this it cannot be this truth this simple truth cannot be avoided and yet Democrats just push on. They make all their complaints. Let's hear from the single dumbest person in Congress for a moment, shall we? Uh, Maisie Hirono. Really, I, I mean, it's, I think she's the dumbest person in the United States Congress. I, I, that's my assessment. I'm not trying to be mean. I think it's just accurate. And here's what she had to say about uh, <laughs> how... It's a conspiracy theory. Anything Democrats don't like now is a conspiracy theory. You know, anything that you do, lower. Hey, we should have lower taxes. Conspiracy theory. And they'll just say anything is a conspiracy theory. Here's uh, here's uh, Maisie Hirono on the, what she says is just that. Play eighteen. Oh, well,
7: I think Adam did a really good job of laying out the facts. <laughs> And then what we got from the president's uh, people were really what I found astounding was they're still saying that uh, we were out to get the president from day one, some kind of a weird conspiracy theory that I have to say even even Kavanaugh brought out. They really believe this stuff. I find it incredible. And so they're still focusing on the process. Uh, And aside from one reference that I heard that the president did nothing wrong ignoring all of the testimony and evidence that was adduced in the House impeachment inquiry that he did nothing wrong in spite of all of the evidence as they said that this was a big conspiracy to get Ukraine to do his political bidding using our money, 400 million almost of, of taxpayer money as a bribe that he did nothing wrong it's incredible.
1: I mean Hiona really is the dumbest person in Congress and anyone who votes for her should really think long and hard about their judgment when it comes to anything. First of all, that was just like a rambling mess. And it's as though she doesn't own a television or an Internet connection or subscribe to a newspaper. Of course, Democrats have wanted to get rid of Trump since day one. They've been explicit about this. We've heard them talking about this. I, I think it was Nadler who was overheard talking on, on an Acela train about how he wanted to impeach the president. Just like Jeff Zucker's assistant was overheard on a train talking about how CNN's going to go to war with Trump. Oh, yeah, but they're objective journalists. They're frauds. It's a giant. It's a big building over there in uh, Hudson Yards now. I'm glad they cleared out from Columbus Circle. I like Columbus Circle. They can have Hudson Yards. CNN's over at Hudson Yards. It's 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 a giant holding tank full of frauds. That's what that's what the journalistic establishment at CNN is. They are all engaged in a lie day to day because they pretend that what they're doing is objective and neutral and they don't have an agenda and that's just that's just a, that's just false. And they would never debate that publicly. Any of their anchors would get absolutely crushed trying to defend, I mean, any reasonable person except for CNN. People that watch CNN, I think, are dumb enough to believe that it's still journalism. A lot of their audience is just Trump deranged and really like to live in this world where they think the smart people watch CNN and what CNN presents them is the truth and it's unbiased. I and mean, I've had exposure to that audience because I used to go on their air quite a bit. Um Nazi Hirono saying that Trump is not Trump hasn't been uh, a person who is going to get impeached from day one, just goes to show you the Democrats, well, they'll say anything at this point. They'll just pretend that they are either complete idiots, or maybe they are total idiots, depends on which one we're talking about, or they just hope that no one will, I mean, the media is not going to fact check them. They're not going to ask them any hard questions about any of this. We've already dismantled the whole narrative right now of it's not a fair trial in the Senate because means that it wasn't a fair trial in the House. There's no difference. They, they, they can try to pretend there's a, there's no difference. Members of the House had a solemn duty to the Constitution, according to even the Democrats, to be, be certain that President Trump had made these as certain as they could be, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. Or, but we don't even really know, by the way, what the standard is. You know, it's kind of just like, yeah, this is what we think, because it's not a criminal trial. So. But sure enough in their own minds that they should vote to remove the president, uh, they should vote to impeach him, which is their version of trying to remove him. I mean, it's just a step in the process. And you know, th- this would be stunning. I mean, imagine imagine if you went to a jury in a trial and, and they gave you back a verdict and they said the defendant is guilty. And then the prosecution came back to that jury and said, all right, well, now we're going to the sentencing phase. I know sometimes the judge does it, but let's just say the jury gets to weigh in on sentencing and the jury comes back and says, oh, no, we don't have enough information to know what the sentence should be. We need a whole new a whole new trial for that. I mean, we, we can't make any determinations about sentencing. You'd say, what the heck is going on? You're, you're sure that he was guilty, but you're not sure enough to know how long he should go to prison for. This is effectively what's going on in the United States Congress, because Democrats are unprincipled and and embrace hypocrisy with just a big warm, statist hug at every opportunity. Senator Ted Cruz has had some good moments on this um, in response to all the complaints that are going on. Here is what he says just about the the boring series of parliamentary uh, objections you keep hearing from the Democrats. Play 16.
0: We've seen the House managers and Senate Democrats making redundant motions over and over and over again, the same motions, motions that are being rejected. And fundamentally, it is clear House Democrats view this as an opportunity to continue their partisan attacks on the president instead of focusing on the priorities of the American people.
1: Yep. Just make the motions over and over again. So that's just their way. Of whining. The motions the Democrats are making at this point are, are whining. And then the whining is supposed to be their case for why this is unfair. Look at how much we had to whine.
8: Wah!
1: That's what they're doing. Amy Klobuchar, for example, um, she, she's complaining. about I don't know why people treat her like she's so reasonable. Have we forgotten she's the one that like throws things at her staff? Just because she's not a, a full-on commie like Bernie Sanders, we're supposed to think that she's really a reasonable person? Play fifteen.
4: I'm someone that always uh, keeps looking at my colleagues to see if they look guilty, Uh, and some of them are kind of looking down. I don't know how... They can deny all witnesses and uh, let's see what they do after a few days of this. But I think that uh, the House managers uh, made a very effective case uh, for the fact that we have evidence and we need to listen to evidence and we need to listen to witnesses. You can't have a trial with zero witnesses and zero documents. That is not how this works.
1: What What did the House do? Why don't any of the journalists present ask that question? Why was that okay for the House to make the decision? Why didn't they wait? Why didn't they go through the process? Why didn't they actually subpoena people? They were, they were going to put a subpoena forward a couple times, th- and then, and then they, oh, no, we're not actually going to do that because it will get caught up in the courts. Oh, you know, we get our way or it's unfair. This is what children do. This is what little babies do. You know, okay, everyone has to share toys. No, everyone has to share toys except for me. And if you try to make me share a toy, I'm going to cry and scream until I get my way. That is the way the... Congressional Democrats have approached this entire thing. It's only fair if they get their way. If they don't get their way, it's unfair. I mean, it's it's really amazing to watch this play out. Um, y- you see that the Democrats aren't trying to win over anybody. I mean, they're really just trying to placate their base, but this gives you a good sense of just how utterly insane the left-wing base has become. Because they enjoy this. This is anti-Trump This is anti-Trump political porn for the left. That is what impeachment and now this Senate trial is for the left-wing base.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: The rules he proposed are really a national disgrace for this reason impeachment is the only other power that Congress, that that, that the Constitution gives when you have an overreaching president. And we know that this president is overreached more than any other president. The other, of course, are elections. But if you don't have a real trial that you can judge impeachment on the merits, then this democracy is eroding. And Mitch McConnell will go down in history as one of the people eroding democracy because he has gone along with President Trump's cover-up hook and
10: sinker. We will require every senator to vote on whether there should be certain witnesses, whether there should be certain documents, and whether we should have the kind of
1: unfair, stacked deck, Alice in Wonderland type proceeding that McConnell has proposed. Republicans should respond to everything Democrats say and do at this point, and they really have, should have been doing this all along, with, with sheer contempt. Just outright, go-blank-yourself contempt. Now, that's not really Mitch McConnell's style, but I do think he will hold the line here. But every other Republican who's asked to just say that this is absurd. It's wrong what they're doing. Their arguments don't make sense. They pretend to care about a principle one day. They abandon it the next and hope that we don't remember. This whole thing has been orchestrated by the Trump deranged left from the beginning. They don't even really know what it, what, the, what, the, what the problem is what they keep saying things that are analysis that they pretend are fact. I mean, this is a key problem in their entire line of argument that he tried to ask for interference in the 2020 election. No, asking a foreign counterpart to get you information relating to corruption in his country when you're the president of the United States is completely legitimate. If that would hurt a Democrat contender, not even top in the national polls right now, Bernie's actually pulled ahead of him. If that would hurt a Democrat contender, that is too darn bad. That's it. And they, they can keep pretending that it was an interference to the 2020 election. No, notice how they, they, it always goes back into these loops. It's like they've created these buzzwords that they know will just like the Democrat base has, has all been trained to hear these things like Pavlov's dogs and they they hear the bell. And then, oh, that's what it is with election interference.
0: There's no real case to be made here. It's it's absolutely nuts. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All very different. Yeah, Minnie Mike is spending a lot of money. He's got no chance. Uh, but he's got a tremendous, uh, you know, he used to be a friend of mine until I ran for politics, and then uh, he went a little off. You should see some of the nice things he said about me before I ran. or like the nicest. But he had a deal with Hillary Clinton that he was going to be come Secretary of State. It was very simple. People know that. And it wasn't going to happen. It was going to go to Terry McAuliffe. I mean, so they were playing with Michael. And uh, it's too bad but he's spending a fortune he's making a lot of broadcasters wealthy and he's getting nowhere his ratings are terrible his uh, you look at his numbers uh i don't know if joe's gonna limp across the line but you, i watch him i watch him speaking he can't put together a sentence but it could be him and it could be crazy bernie i don't know who it's gonna be whoever it is i'm ready
1: <laughs> i like that he calls him crazy bernie i'd call him commie bernie but, but Crazy Bernie is pretty good, pretty good, too. A little Mike, uh, a little mic for for Bloomberg. Uh, there's a Monmouth poll that shows Bloomberg uh, at fourth place, though, in a new national poll. Now, I mean, is that he's polling at 9% among Democratic voters in a very crowded field. So you still have Bernie Sanders at number two, Biden at number one, 30% in this national poll, Warren at number three. And then you have uh, Bloomberg ahead of Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar in this Monmouth National Poll. Now, again, polling is just snapshots in time. Is this Does the poll even really matter? If you look at nationally, what really matters is who's going to win the early states, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire. I, I get it. But it is interesting that Bloomberg is able to just spend his way into a pretty – noticeable position among a very crowded a very crowded democrat field i have to think that uh, the democrats are making a mistake here in not allowing for the airing of some of the the, the key, uh, key criticisms that will be leveled against different candidates notably biden and and uh, uh, bernie sanders Bernie Sanders as you know is a little yesterday we called the show nobody likes Bernie Sanders. That's a reference to a Hillary Clinton quote. You know Hillary's doing her all hello. You know she's doing this this sit down and she did these sit down interviews with with Hulu like 40 or 50 hours of it or something. It's a lot of time for this Hulu documentary about Hillary Clinton. I mean it's, it's just a, another effort among democrats who are so invested in making Hillary Clinton into something that she's really not. Um, you know, a, a, another effort by Democrats. It, it's a, as if the 15 or so, I think that number's pretty close. It might be a little, might be one or two more, might be one or two less. But there's been like 15 books ghostwritten for Hillary Clinton. And, in our know, bo- her daughter has books ghostwritten for her now. I mean, the Clinton brand is something that Democrats are hoping that they can use going forward, probably for Chelsea Clinton to run. But uh, the same way that the Kennedy brand, you know, that kid... Uh, the red hair who gave the the response to the State of the Union, and everyone said, who, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Looks like he just escaped out of boarding school, and I'm somebody that everyone always says looks young, although now, now that i got my man beard producer mark, everybody thinks I'm at least 27 or 26. That's right. At least that old. So can definitely buy alcohol and beer, which is uh, exciting. Well, alcohol of all kinds, which is exciting for me. Uh, but I think that Biden's, uh, or that, that Bernie getting called out by Hillary as not being particularly likable. That's that's going to be something that Trump brings up. I also think the Democratic Party recognizes that they put Bernie Sanders forward as the candidate. They're going to get called the Socialist Party, even when Bernie Sanders loses. You you don't get to have somebody as your party's nominee for a presidential election once every four years. You don't get to have that person's nominee and then say, well, yeah, but we're not really
0: about that,
1: you know. We're not really about that thing from a few years ago when we put forward a socialist, and really an avowed, unrepentant socialist to be the president of the United States. Um, I think that that's what you see. That's part of the weakness you have with with Bernie Sanders. That's a big part of the weakness you have with Bernie Sanders. He's also not very likable. He's also too old. And the Democrat establishment would much rather have a woman. If, they, if the Democrat establishment can't have a... A racial or ethnic minority as president at this point i mean that would be choice number one i think uh still if they can't have that they want a woman to be president you know that that falls into their ideological uh proclivity and or that 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 is an ideological proclivity that they have so now you look at okay there are problems with bernie sanders but hillary's backed off her statement Now, oh you know i didn't mean it and and apparently bernie sanders supporters are all being told, hey, don't don't go after Hillary. Let's sort of move past this. They don't want intramural fighting among Democrats. So that's, I, I think you got to let people say what they're going to say because Bernie's going to have it a lot worse. When crazy Bernie goes up against the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, it's going to be a lot worse for Bernie Sanders than it is right now if he gets the nomination. And then on Biden, the media is protecting them because they still think, I mean, the media apparatus, if you were to ask most of them, who, you know, from the big places, you know, the, the Times and, the, and CNN and MSNBC, they want uh, they want it to be Biden or Warren. Warren because she's a woman. Uh, but they want it to be Biden because they think that he's probably the one who's most likely to win. And so now we have to ask the question, OK, um, where is Biden weak and we know, I I talk about how he doesn't remember where he is, and Trump is saying he's just going to kind of limp across the finish line here in the primary. I think that's true. He's going to have a problem with this corruption thing in Ukraine. I mean, the, the issue the Democrats have is because they're so focused on using Ukraine to try to impeach the president and attack the president, they always shut down all discussion of what really happened there. But the facts that we know already, the facts as they present themselves right now, suggest beyond any doubt that what was going on in Ukraine was gross. That Hunter Biden was getting paid more than somebody who's actually qualified to be on the board of a Fortune 100 company because of who his daddy was and because of what the implications of having Joe Biden's son on the board of that company were during a time of criminal corruption probes. This is this is known. This is fact. There's no, there's no question about this. There's no... Oh, we have to still figure this out. But they keep protecting them on that because if they cede any ground there, then the case against Trump automatically weakens. But I think that this come this could come back to bite them. I think it's only a matter of time before they realize that this is very this is short-term gain for long-term pain for the Democrats because Biden is, is not their best candidate. I still think that somebody Jumping in late for the Democrats would be the best thing. I think that somebody that would unite the party because none of these candidates are going to get it done against Donald Trump. Not that I want to give them advice to make them better off, but they're not going to listen to me. They are not going to listen to the Buckster, although they should. They should because the Buckster knows what's up.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, team. So I was just talking to you
1: about. Joe Biden's weakness here going into a possible general election scenario, and how the media is desperately covering for him. I wanted to get somebody uh, to join us here who can speak directly to this issue, because he's the guy who broke the stories about Hunter Biden and Burisma and all the rest of it. My former colleague at The Hill, John Solomon. He is an investigative journalist, editor in chief of JustTheNews.com, which he just launched or, or just announced this week. The website will be up in a, in a couple of weeks uh, and also a Fox News contributor. John, good to talk to you.
11: Good to be with you, Buck.
1: All right. So, John, what are the biggest untrue things that keep being said about Hunter Biden, Burisma and Joe Biden and possible connections during this whole impeachment fiasco?
11: That's really a great question. So you saw this uh, video uh, Joe Biden's campaign put out in a statement they put out telling the media, don't you dare report about anything on Hunter Biden. It's a conspiracy theory. Well, let me tell you what isn't a conspiracy theory. It is fact, not a conspiracy theory, that Joe Biden did in fact force the firing of Ukraine's chief prosecutor, uh, Viktor Shokin, in, ni- in 2016 by threatening to withhold $1 billion of U.S. aid. It is a fact, not conspiracy theory, that uh, at the moment Biden forced that firing. That prosecutor was investigating Hunter Biden's son, Burisma. It is a fact that State Department officials working for Joe Biden believe the Biden's contact in Ukraine constituted what they called an appearance of a conflict of interest. That's very important. The federal law requires all federal officials to avoid taking actions that create that appearance. So the State Department viewed Hunter Biden, uh, Joe Biden's relationship in Ukraine, his dealings overseeing Ukraine policy while his son worked there as in violation of those ethical standards. It is a fact that hunter biden received uh, through his firm in uh, called rosemont seneca bohai three point four million dollars over two years uh, for his work uh, at a ukraine gas company that had a reputation of corruption was under investigation uh, and for which he had no experience to justify it. He himself says, I probably got the job just because of my last name. So $3.4 million over two years, to put that in perspective, that's 30 times what the average American makes in an annual uh, in a year. So he's got a sweetheart deal at a corrupt company under investigation while his dad is overseeing policy in the country. And it is a fact that just last february long before president trump had the call with ukrainians that the ukrainian government their prosecution service and their fbi known as nabu that they reopened the case of brisma specifically to look at the question of whether hunter biden's money the money he had gotten from brisma had been laundered in some way through some illicit money laundering scheme that doesn't mean hunter biden did anything wrong but that's what the ukrainians are investigating whether he's the beneficiary of a money laundering scheme those are the facts that Joe Biden doesn't want America to be talking about.
1: And what can you tell us about the prosecutor uh, Litsenko who initially made one set of statements under and then recanted?
11: Yeah, so the recantation is simply not true. So this doesn't have to do with Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. This does with a, se- a separate issue, which is in an interview at our old employer, The Hill, with me, uh, Lusenko, the man who replaced the fired prosecutor. So Joe Biden fires the first prosecutor, and this guy is handpicked by the U.S. to be the uh, prosecutor's replacement. So Lusenko says in an interview. When I first met with Ambassador Yovanovitch, the woman who oversaw our embassy in in Kiev, uh, she gave me a list of names, told me there were people she did not want me to prosecute. This is in the fall of 2016. Now, it's been reported by media, particularly in Ukraine, that he recanted that. What he said was it wasn't a written list. It was a list of names that she gave me over the course of a meeting. He has steadfastly stood behind the fact that he... Uh, She made those comments, and she did give him orally a list of names of people that they didn't want to see uh, prosecuted. And most of these people were anti-corruption activists or people that were close to the embassy or funded by George Soros. Now, how do we know who's telling the truth? At the end of the day, the State Department witnesses who testified in the impeachment for the House Democrats all acknowledged that the State Department embassy in in Kiev did, in fact, on multiple occasions— tell the Ukraine prosecutors, we don't want you to pursue this person, we don't want you to investigate this person, we don't want uh, you to prosecute this person. So they acknowledged that they pressured Ukraine prosecutors not to prosecute a group of people who the Obama administration liked in Ukraine. So rather than recant it, the concept of pressure by the embassy on on Ukraine prosecutors not to pursue people under their own law they could— has been confirmed not recanted not not debunked and this
1: is important john i want to ask what is the justification then that is given for i mean why would they why would the u.s government think that it has any dog in the fight so to speak about who would get yeah. prosecuted in corruption in ukraine why, why would why would the embassy even be weighing in on that shouldn't that be a ukrainian matter
11: well under the geneva convention normally Diplomats who are visiting in their host country have no right and are forbidden from interfering in the internal affairs of a country. That means elections, personnel decisions, prosecuted decisions. Ukraine is unique, right? We give Ukraine lots of money, tens of millions of dollars a year to encourage them to fight endemic corruption in the country because it is a very corrupt country. It has been since its days in the Soviet Union. And that money has given our embassy the belief that it has the right to dictate to Ukrainians who they can prosecute. Who they cannot prosecute our ambassador has gone as so far as to encourage them who to fire and hire as prosecutors which is very unusual whether it's legal under the geneva convention who knows whether it's uh, inappropriate the ukrainian government has often chafed at this strong-arm tactics of our embassy uh, whatever the case is it's it's caused a dysfunctional relationship if we're ever going to solve corruption problems in ukraine our embassy, the prosecutors and the FBI, known as NABU in Ukraine, have to work together, and they've got to be on the same page. And right now, the reason I wrote those stories a year ago, the reason I did that interview with Mr. Lusenko, was to highlight the fact that those three entities are at war with each other. They don't trust each other. They're not working together with each other. And as a result, the war on corruption in, in Ukraine is, is terribly dysfunctional. That's something that should concern us all.
1: What can you tell us about what Rudy Giuliani was really doing in Ukraine? Because the media keeps talking about this. It comes up all the time in impeachment. You and I both know Rudy. What was he doing over there?
11: So I I think uh, in his effort to prepare for the Mueller report coming out, because he didn't know the Mueller report was going to come out as well as it did. You know, I I was predicting early on because I had good sources of Mueller that he was going to exonerate the president on Um, collusion. But, you know, Rudy Giuliani and the legal team were preparing for a worst-case scenario, and some of their evidence led them to Ukraine, particularly because the Manafort case started there, the thing that forced Paul Manafort to resign and embarrass Trump during the campaign. That all grew out of Ukraine. So, my understanding from my interviews with that they were trying to uh, research matters there and find out, was there dirty tricks? They always thought the Steele dossier was a dirty trick. Was there other on inside of ukraine that might explain why the president was being falsely accused with these allegations so that's a normal conduct for a defense lawyer to do now one of the false narratives that has been out there is that rudy giuliani did his research he gave it to john solomon and john solomon just put it out there that uh no there would be nothing wrong with rudy giuliani being my source on any of these ukraine stories and and you know more reporters ought to try having the President's Defense counsel as a source because maybe they wouldn't have made the mistakes they did in Russia collusion. But the truth of the matter is, whether it was appropriate or not, I began working on the Ukraine issue in 2018 based on information I learned from Justice Department officials about the very things we just talked about, the dysfunction between our embassy and the prosecutors on the ground, and it was particularly over the concerns about Joe Biden and the Hunter Biden story. I had written most of my stories In fall of 2018 the media doesn't get this right at all but i held publishing them because the ukrainians i had were only talking on background uh, anonymously and i didn't think it would be a credible story to um uh publish in america with anonymous ukrainians who's going to trust that so i held out for several months all the way into march until i could get these people on the record at the end of my reporting and just before I published, I found out Rudy Giuliani was actually in, or, uh, in nosing around in the country talking to some of the same people I was talking to. And I approached him. I said, hey, could you share what you know? And he told me flat out we had dinner. I remember this uh, as Claire's day. John, I'm not ready to share it with reporters. I think my first obligation is to maybe give it to the FBI or the State Department to investigate something that's very disturbing to me. I found some very disturbing things there. So I thanked them for considering. I said, listen, if you're ever done and you want to share it with a reporter, I'd be more than glad to look at it. I then went ahead and published all the stories that are now in the controversy. And then later on in May of 2019, long after my stories were done, Rudy came to me and said, I finished my reporting. I don't think state and FBI are ever going to do anything with it. I'd like to show it to you. He showed it to me. The only thing was that most of what he had, I already had reported. And so he never really was a source, even though we've been accused of collaborating or conspiring. Uh, We were working independent of each other, found the same stuff. Eventually, he shared his information with me. But there's this bogus narrative, as there have been so many times with President Trump, around President Trump, that the media simply has the timeline and the facts wrong.
1: Uh, we're speaking to John Solomon. He is editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com, investigative journalist, Fox News contributor. John, I just got one more for you, but we've got to hit a quick break. Stay with us for a second.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: OK, we're back with John Solomon, the guy who published the stories uh, when he was at the Hill uh, and also launched Hill TV, which I used to work for. Um, he, he's talking to us about uh, what's what's really the truth of the facts as we have them so far in Ukraine. But but John, I also want to ask you, you're an investigative journalist. What yes. what do you need to know now to complete? I mean, do we do we know everything that we need to know about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Yovanovitch corruption in Ukraine and what happened? And also, by the way. Ukrainian election interference, which we keep hearing is not a real thing, but Politico right. and other places have published stories that said, oh, no, there, there were government officials in Ukraine that were trying to tilt things toward Hillary. And, and we never seem to be able. But first, just start with what do you need to know or what would you need to know to to close the loop on what really happened with Hunter Biden and, and, and Joe Biden in Ukraine?
11: Well, I have filed a lawsuit that has elicited some very important information in the last couple of months. For the first time, we know from my Freedom of Information Act lawsuit that um, uh, Burisma's lawyers, the Ukraine gas company that was hiring Joe uh, Hunter Biden at the time, was lobbying the State Department one month before Joe Biden fired that prosecutor or forced the firing of that prosecutor. One month before that, Burisma's lawyers descended upon the John Kerry State Department, Uh, And they pressured the State Department saying, we want these corruption allegations to go away. And when they did so, they invoked one person's name as the reason why the State Department should magically make the corruption allegations against go away: Hunter Biden. Those documents have been released. They've created quite a stir in Washington because they show Hunter Biden's name was was being used as a hammer to stop the corruption investigation. We don't know what the State Department did after that lobbying campaign began. We know that Joe Biden, uh, within a month of that lobbying campaign, went to Ukraine and uh, forced the firing. We need to know, what did the State Department communicate to Joe Biden? What did Joe Biden tell Ukraine's President Poroshenko? Did he just say, I want to get rid of the prosecutor, or did he say, I'm really mad that you were investigating my son's company? We don't know those answers, and we need the paper trail around that. And whether that comes out at the trial or through my lawsuit through future, you know, uh, document uh, productions, that's one of the missing parts that we don't know. What motivated Joe Biden to do this? And was Burisma ever raised in the communication process uh, that led to the firing of Mr. Shokin? I think that's the big thing we know there on uh, election interference. Here's something that the Democrats didn't put in their memo, but it is irrefutable. It is not a conspiracy theory. It is true. In December of 2018, less than six months before President Trump calls President Zelensky and suggests that they look at this election interference, a Ukraine administrative court, basically the equivalent of our U.S. district court, our federal court system, ruled that two government officials in Ukraine, a member of parliament and the head of their FBI, had wrongly and illegally, that's the word they use in the courtroom, illegally intervened in the U.S. election by releasing the Paul Manafort documents during Donald Trump's campaign. If a Ukraine court thought there was enough evidence to conclude that two government officials interfered in the U.S. election, why was it inappropriate for the president a few months later to then ask the president to follow up and find out what happened? That court ruling gets over, over, overlooked, but it was an official government action Ukraine took on its own. And I think the jurors in the Senate case, when they hear that for the first time, those senators are going to go, well, I didn't know about that court ruling. Well, that makes a little more sense why President Trump did what he did.
1: Are they going to I hear mean, it? I mean, I know you got contacts know. over Capitol Hill, too.
11: Yeah. Ron Johnson is somebody that's aware of this, and he's a juror. He knows this stuff. So I think we're, you know, we're going to learn a lot more. And, you know, if it gets into a witness uh, tit for tat, I think you're going to see Hunter Biden being pressed into the limelight. and That's not something Joe Biden wants.
1: Yeah. Well, what are your expectations if, if Hunter? I, I would just want to know under oath what Hunter Biden's work product was for the what was it, 50 to 80? I keep hearing different numbers, but yeah,
11: well, we know one hundred and sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars a month was wired from Burisma to Hunter Biden's firm, Rosemont Seneca Bohai. Now, there are two members there that were on the board, so you could assume maybe they split that up evenly. But $166,000 a month amounts to $2 million a year. That's a big payday for anyone. And uh, we don't know what he did, right? He said he in uh, an ABC me- meeting uh, interview, he said, I remember attending a couple of meetings. That's a lot of money to attend a couple of meetings. When they asked him, did you maybe just get the job because your last name was Biden? He said, yeah, probably. Uh, you know, what I think the the case that the president's lawyers will be able to make if it gets as far as calling Hunter Biden is that Hunter Biden was hired specifically to keep the Ukrainian government and the U.S. government from ever prosecuting Brisma. They were never the bet. The, the bet they made is that no U.S. or Ukrainian funded prosecutor is going to go after a company where the vice president's son is sitting on the board. So it was a protection plan. It's I a think pretty smart bet. And it doesn't ability. even have
1: to be explicit. Right. I mean, that's it just it doesn't. Can be subtle. Yeah, that's the whole point. Right? This is why, you know, this is yeah. why uh, spouses in politics also come under ethic rules. And you know, there's a lot of ways that people can try to do end runs on this stuff. But, John, anyway, I mean, look, you're you're the guy who's been at the center of the storm on this. So, thank you so much <laughs> for. Uh, Sharing well, with us.
11: Congratulations on the success of your radio show. Everywhere I go, I hear people talking about it. So, bravo! It's great to see you uh, lighting up America with all these great thoughts. Thanks so much, John. And let it come back and let us know how things are going with
1: justthenews.com John's yep. new we'll site. be in a couple weeks. It's going to be launched in a couple weeks. He's the editor in chief, John Solomon. Everybody, John, thanks so much. You take care. My pleasure, Buck. Take care.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The changes are pretty modest and I don't think are are significant in any uh, uh, dramatic way. Uh, So, for instance, whether something is going to be taking 12 hours uh, per day or eight hours per day, uh, it's still going to get covered in the news. And what's officially go going into evidence doesn't make a big difference because the senators are, of course, free to look at all the information they have that comes from the House. So um, I think those two issues are just not big ones. I think the Democrats make a mistake uh, when they cry outrage time and time again. If everything is an outrage, then nothing is an outrage. So the big issue, I think, relates to witnesses and the discussion of witnesses and the vote of witnesses that counts is going to be after opening arguments. My guess is today they're going to have lots of motions on witnesses. We've all told them we're not going to deal with that now. We're going to deal with that after opening arguments, just like during the Clinton process.
1: Okay, I mean, Mitt Romney making some sense, which is rare these days. I don't know, man. I used to be John. Who are you going to? I'm like, I just did it again. Mark. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry man I haven't seen John in like six months and I still still have not you get it you guys it's been do, almost a year I mean but that's true it's been almost a year yeah but but producer mark yeah uh,
5: who who did you who were you
1: supporting in 2012
5: do you remember was I even were old you, enough did you to even vote? Care? I don't
1: oh I don't... yeah you might not have been how old were you, I, you uh, were barely let's see. old
5: I was it was eight years ago so I think I was just eligible maybe yeah, yeah
1: and you didn't really... I don't
5: remember if I voted that year because I, I don't know if I was eligible uh, well,
1: uh, I was going to ask. I didn't
5: have a driver's license yet, I don't think.
1: I mean, Mitt Romney, what do you think now? He I looks mean, like the guy who would play the president in a, in a, in a movie with Harrison Ford, right? He like, the, yeah, he does. President Danger. He looks
5: like a president, like but a then president. he speaks.
1: But then he says things. Yeah. And then he, sa- he sounds all wimpy about the and his name is Mitt. Is that is that well, That has to be short for something, right?
5: I, it has to be, right?
1: I, know, like, I think it's Mitt Willard Romney, yeah. which Mitt is probably more normal than Willard. <laughs> no offense it's, to the it's, Willards it's... out there listening. <laughs> But, uh, there's yeah.
5: a last name.
1: I don't. Mitt is yeah. something
5: I play baseball with. But, like,
1: you know, I have like a last name as a middle name that became a first yeah, name. I and mean, some people like to. Oh, wait, we got producer Nick weighing in on this one. Let's, let's see what uh, producer Nick is, said just to make sure that we don't have a, a mess. Willard Mitt... Rom- oh, no, it's Willard Mitt Romney. Thank- oh, okay. okay. Well, so I'm he's just like him. you. Close enough. Yeah, he's like me. He's a middle name as a first name guy, or middle name <laughs> used as first name. Are
5: you guys competing for who can have a more ridiculous name?
1: Um, or who can have a more ridiculous swoop of hair. I got to say, the Mitt hair, that guy's I respect And man. it ages nicely, respect like there's the a nice
5: touch of gray in it. Um, Yeah, no, he's he's that's <laughs> true. Well,
1: anyway, Mitt Romney making some sense. I just want to give that guy some credit when, actually, when he actually deserves it, because the Democrats do whine and cry about... Basically, absolutely everything, Um, which means that when they cry, you it's a lot easier to ignore them. Um, You know, I I was uh, talking before about what's really going on here with uh, Bernie Sanders. And I was getting into a little bit of like how Sanders is being protected in some ways now by some members of the press because they they don't like him, but they also don't want the narratives that trump is going to use to be used against bernie sanders Uh, sanders on the other hand is out there saying that he's fine with hillary voicing her opinion Uh, play clip 11 if you would please producer mark
6: look uh right now today i am dealing with impeachment uh we are very proud that the American College of Physicians has just come on board for Medicare. For all thousands of doctors, did an open letter to the New York Times. Uh, on Medicare for all, uh, and right now, what my focus on, is on is uh, outside of the impeachment trial, is doing everything I can to defeat the most dangerous president in modern American history, uh, that is Donald Trump. And that's really about all that I. think. Thing
4: Secretary Clinton said was about uh, your supporters and uh, criticizing them. Right, look, Congress look, look, look! Secretary
6: Clinton is entitled to uh, you know her point of view. Uh, my job today is to focus on the impeachment trial. Uh, my job today is to put together a team that can defeat the most dangerous president uh, in the history of the United States of America. The most dangerous president?
1: <laughs> I had to play this for you. Because he, he keeps going back to this. this they've clearly poll tested this. They think that this is a smart thing for Bernie Sanders to run around saying the most dangerous president in the history of the United States. Okay, so more dangerous than say Woodrow Wilson, who was a straight up racist and got us involved in the First World War, uh, resegregated the federal civil service. Uh, I mean, you know, just had uh, you know, Birth of a Nation. If I if memory serves, screened in the White House. I mean, like a really bad dude, Woodrow Wilson. And yet there's an international relations school named after him at the esteemed Princeton University, uh, probably the snobbiest of all universities in the country. Um, And yet here we are, being told that Trump is the biggest danger in the history of any—oh, and FDR putting Japanese Americans in internment camps. I mean, you look look at people who were real threats to civil rights and to liberty and to the Constitution, and and I I keep going back to this, Ask a Lib— what the thing is that Trump has done that is so terrible, and you will hear, you'll just hear a bunch of, of MSNBC talking points. I mean, you'll hear about how, oh, he, he gives comfort to white nationalists. No, no, he actually calls white nationalists losers and, and scummy and says that nobody should pay attention to them. So they, they can keep saying these things that aren't true, and that's what they do. Uh, they'll refer to Charlottesville and they'll misrepresent what he said. Which has become, that's one of the great lies of the left today. One of the, the big lies is to say that President Trump said that there were good people on both sides. I even knew some conservatives that bought into that initially, or some people on the right, theoretically, who uh, bought into that. Um, I, I have to wonder, I guess they're either incapable of reading a transcript or they don't understand English very well. Uh, when Trump said that, you know, Mexico's not sending us their best and, you know, there, there are rapists and murders coming across the border... It is a fact that there are rapists and murderers who illegally come across the U.S.-Mexico border, including many members of uh, the vicious gang known as MS-13. Trump also said, and some are, are I assume, are good people, um, which is a Trump way of saying obviously there's a lot of people that are just coming over here for economic opportunity, and we don't hold any, you know, we don't we don't think that they're bad people, and they're coming for a, you know a better chance at life. And there's a, a basic human sympathy you have. We still have laws, but there's a human sympathy you have for those people. But see, they don't. They can't accept normal English when they're talking about Trump. They can't accept normal intent of how someone speaks. They have to come up with either an obtuse hyper-literalism when it comes to Trump or just to misrepresent what he says. But notice how I'm still just talking about things that Trump said years ago. What is the day Somebody should ask Bernie Sanders. Why is Trump so dangerous? The most dangerous president in the history of this this country's been around for a couple hundred years. It's been a while, right? Going on 250 now. right? My math is not great, but yeah, that's right. Going on 250. Uh, why is he the worst president ever? Exactly. Or, or the most dangerous. I mean, forget about worst because they'll just say, because he's mean and his bad tweets. He's the most dangerous president ever. What is he doing that is so dangerous? I mean, if we're really going to talk about this, who's more dangerous, Trump or Bush, who invaded Iraq, which I think you have to look at now and say was not something that we would want to repeat. It was not, not the way to go. Uh Obama, who just allowed Syria to spiral into a total mess, remember, he claimed leadership of that for the international community, tried to set up some different forces through the Pentagon to be part of the Free Syria. I mean, just a complete mess of it, overthrew Gaddafi in uh, Libya, escalated dramatically in Afghanistan, took a whole lot of casualties there, by the way, when that happened, and made no real gains, no real progress uh, to speak of that were durable and so, lasting progress. So, I mean, who's more dangerous? You, you, have to, you have to wonder, at what point do these talking points ring hollow? At what point will normal people start to just stand up and say, y- you don't get to just keep saying this stuff. You, ha- you have to give us more than just the, mo- the most dangerous president in the history of the United States. You know, I'm going to focus on this and the Senate trial, and he's so dangerous. He's going he's gonna to take this country, then he's going to run us into a ditch. Um, how? Because the economy is booming and we're at a, in a period of peace and, uh, th- w- w- you know, there's there's no race riots going on. There's no there's no narrative at the federal level from the president on down of how police are racist and we can't trust them. And, you know, that that doesn't happen under Trump. Uh, we're trying to secure the border. There's there's problems, again, rising at the border. And I've seen even the people who are who are doing some reporting on what's going on uh, with Those who are trying to come in illegally wanting to game the system by understanding, you know, if a Democrat wins, that's when, you know, then you know that you're going to it's better to go when the Democrat wins than to try to go while Trump is in office. Right. So they're making that calculation. Meanwhile, um, among the the dumbest and most overpaid because he's still paid to be on TV at all uh, people on television, Joe Scarborough uh, ridicules all of us for not understanding what's really coming in this era of Trump. Play twenty five.
8: Isn't that bizarre that conservatives have now, like liberals used to, created their own echo chamber online, on Fox News, in newspapers of their choice, and it allows them to live very comfortably in their 42 percent? They have no idea what's coming in November.
1: Trump's re-election? I mean, is, does anyone... This guy's a buffoon who 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 dances to the tune that his uh, the the people writing his paychecks at MSNBC tell him to. A buffoon. He's a fake conservative. What's the point? I I just wonder what even what it, Oh, it's a it's a petty personal thing with him and the president. The president, you know, did say some stuff about his now wife. I don't know if they were married at the time. They were both previously married to other people, and then you know not. Um, but it's a personal thing. It's a personal vendetta. So you have a new a news anchor who's waging a personal vendetta against the President of the United States and pretending he's giving good analysis. I'm going to put this out there for you. Who do you think is going to be more right about more things in the next 12 months, me or Joe Scarborough? And who has better hair? Boom.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ah, team, I got a special treat for you today. My main man, Sagar and Jetty is in the house, or at least in the Freedom Hut, joining us now on the show. He is the co-host of Rising, a fantastic show with a storied pedigree on Hill TV. You can check it out at uh, hill.tv, if that's still the, or hill.com slash, whatever it is. Go check out Hill TV, Sagar and Jetty, everybody. Sagar, thanks so much, man.
4: Hey, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Buck. I really
1: appreciate it. Man. Yeah, see, he's so used to having people join him. Yeah, I so used to have people on my too. show. I, that's what I always. Yeah, I know, I know, I know how, I like how it trick. goes. <laughs> I, I do the same thing all the time. I just called my producer by yeah, the wrong right. name in the last hour, so it's one of those right. days. So, uh, all right, t- Tulsi Gabbard, who I think I don't know. I haven't asked you about Tulsi before. I tend to be a little more yeah. in the pro of the Democrats. I find her less odious than the others. Um, you know, if I had to pick a Democrat ticket, it would probably be Tulsi and Yang, even though they're basically both commies. Uh, but, you know, she's suing Hillary Clinton for what is it, $50 million? What can you tell us about this one?
4: Yeah, I mean, what well, you can at least respect about her is she fights, right? I mean, that's what I appreciate about her. I mean, Hillary comes for her, says, you know, pretty, I mean, she calls her a Russian asset, which is just just totally ridiculous. I mean, this is a major in the Hawaiian National Guard. And, but Hillary, and, you know, Tulsa doesn't, doesn't take it sitting down. Like, she calls her the queen of warmongers now she's suing her for 50 million dollars character defamation and all that i mean she really is the only democrat who's willing to stand up to hillary i mean hillary went after bernie sanders this week and he didn't have a word to say i mean basically just let it go even though she ripped him, you know the whole nobody likes him still bitter the entitled woman the reason she lost 2016 so tulsi really is the only person who's had the uh Who's had the cojones to stat, you know, basically stand up to Hillary in this race at least so far. And you've interviewed her at least once. I know
1: I saw that on on Hill TV. Oh, many times. Yeah, many, yeah, many so times. So, what what comes across <laughs> with her
4: with Tulsi? It's interesting, right, Buck? Because it's like you said, the reason that conservatives I think can find her more palatable is she's a, she's somebody who who criticizes identity politics. She goes after open borders. You know, even she she even goes after like. Like on abortion, she's very much somebody who wants bipartisanship. Her one thing that she wants to do, and this is what I really respect about her, she was deeply scarred by service in a medical unit in Iraq. And she was like, you know what? Her whole animating thing is we got to get our troops out of harm's way. And I can talk with anybody who loves this country and who just wants to protect the troops, right? And so from that perspective, she's not tarring the other side. Uh, She has some pretty crazy ideas. But that's fine. You know, we can argue about that. She's the only one who I think has some real uh, who who can have a real dialogue with people on the right. And it's funny. It shows us in the data. If you look at New Hampshire, she is the person with the most crossover support amongst Trump voters. I think it's like 15, 16 percent or something in that state. And there's a reason for that.
1: Now, is she more or less left wing based on her positions than, say, Pete Buttigieg?
4: Yeah, yeah, it's, that's a hard one because it's like, yeah, I mean, they all believe in, in socialized medicine. They all, like, generally believe in – actually, I'm not sure what she is on gun control. I think it's about, like, order of operations and what, what these people really care about instead of, like, the positions that they hold, right? So, like, Tulsi's thing, she's like – she wants to get out of the wars. Buttigieg is somebody who – I mean, oh, God, like, you know, a true – if you want to talk about a culture war, like, that, that is the guy – who literally will declare war on anybody who you know believes in like in, in traditional values in this country like that is what his administration would look oh, we, like. we, I don't we think have a, we have a, a,
1: a, a Buddha judge clip that we wanted you to uh, we wanted you to respond oh, to here please. please play clip 19
0: yeah. by having better hands guided by better values on those pulleys and levers
9: of American government
0: so can I look to you to spread that sense of hope to those that you know yes. come on <laughs>
1: <laughs> he pulled a Jeb. Oh, Please
4: clap. Yeah, he pulled a Jeb. <laughs> the guy—he's a phony Obama, right? He's such a—he's like a little Obama wannabe. He doesn't even—he oh, aspires to this rhetoric. I mean, this is a guy who's basically a robot built to run for president. Except he—you know—he he was built just a little bit too early because Donald Trump became president and blew up all of the rules of conventional politics, and that's why somebody like Buttigieg is just not landing i mean he's just a, he's a total fake whenever it comes to his experience you know what he's actually going to do and i think he's going to drop off real quick after the first two states
1: what do you think's going to happen with bernie i mean is this is the bernie bump real i'm seeing at least one poll had him at the national level ahead of biden he's been neck and neck with him for a long time it feels like if warren were to drop bernie would be
4: well ahead of biden well, what do you think's going yeah. on here for the bernie supporters He's, he's winning, Buck. I mean, he's got 27 percent of the national polls, CNN. He's tied or at least in the first place in Iowa and New Hampshire. And the thing is, you got to you got to kind of think of it like as a Trump phenomenon, which is like Bernie really is a guy kind of on the outside. The Democrats don't like him in the way that the Republican establishment didn't like Trump, whenever it was all happening. And they kind of they basically trust him. On the issues more than they trust any other candidates to the extent anybody's with joe biden it's not because they really agree with biden it's because they think that he could beat trump and so i mean that's kind of bernie's central challenge but he look the guy has a very real path forward in the nomination he's he's tapping into kind of the same populist resentment on the left that donald trump was able to do on the right and you know we shouldn't sleep on him because very real possibility he could become the nominee how do you think he stacks up against Trump it's, a, it's such a difficult race it's because it's so different than a Bi- like a Biden you roll out you got to feel like it's a 2016, 2016 replay
1: with Biden right I mean yeah
4: it is it is right yeah, I mean, it's like Biden voted for NAFTA Biden wants TPP Biden you know basically wants an open border Biden is you know all this and, and Bernie wants a lot of those things too. or Bernie wants an open border but he's anti against NAFTA he you know was against TPP. He doesn't probably disagree with Trump all that much whenever it comes to China. And so it's going to be much more about workers and about who's better for American workers, whereas with Biden, it's going to be about corruption. So whether, you know, ultimately, I think all of these people are going to lose because they're crazy whenever it comes to culture. You know, these people want literally all every single one of them basically agrees that we should have an open southern border. That's insane. I mean, Bernie wants to abolish ICE. He wants to decriminalize border crossings. He, you know, Biden, even Biden came out yesterday and said that he doesn't think that you should be deported in this country if you're an illegal immigrant and you have a felony drunk driving conviction. I mean, there you go, right? Like they don't believe in enforcing American law. So I think all of them are going to lose because none of them are actually in step with a country which recognized in 2016 that you know we should probably do something about our lawless immigration system. Sagar and Jetty, everybody, check out where do they go for Hill TV? Go to YouTube, The Hill on YouTube. There,
1: there you go. go, The Hill, The Hill on. Right. Oh wait, wait, quick, quick lightning round for you, Sagar. Um, what is the best? I you know I, I meant to do this before before we let you go, but I wanted to I wanted to throw a few things out there, and and see what your uh, what your take is on them. Uh, what is the best new show you have watched in the
4: last year? Best you a TV show or t- uh, political show? TV show. Which one? TV show. Oh god, that's hard. Uh, probably Watchmen. Love Watchmen. Really? Have you seen yeah. The Mandalorian yet? I have not seen The Mandalorian. I have not seen think, The Mandalorian. I think you got I think you got to check that out. I think you got to check right, that out. All right. I will. On your advice, a man I deeply respect in his opinion. I will do that. All right, we'll have you back for a more
1: a more in depth. Right, uh, uh, I can't even speak English today. Lightning round another time, but my man Sager, sure. give my regards to Crystal, your co host Sager and Jetty. Everybody, I Sager, will. thanks so
0: much, man. Thanks, Buck. See you, man. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right. Now, this is just where I'm giving you something of a,
1: a public service announcement. OK, uh, I'm seeing all the headlines about this uh, coronavirus, virus, um, which has nothing to do with, obviously, Corona, uh, the beer. It's it's a, a serious virus that is is hurting people. This is what you got from The Wall Street Journal. A newly identified virus originating in central China is spreading between people primarily through coughing, kissing or contact with saliva. The death toll rose to 17, and the number of confirmed cases surpassed 500. The number of infections from the new pneumonia-causing coronavirus has multiplied in recent days, with 546 confirmed cases in mainland China as of Wednesday, according to your state broadcaster China Central Television, well, however much you can trust them, up from more than 300 the previous day. Its initial emergence in a seafood and livestock uh, market in the central Chinese town of Wuhan the virus has spread across China, and as of Tuesday, is in the United States. Okay, now I'm. I there. There are two things I want to just say about this. One is uh, you have to remember that the news media, uh, any of these outbreak virus stories of any kind, whether it's H1N1, HN1, two, you know, whatever the different strains are of the of the flu that have come out, they they feel very. It's an easy way to get a lot of attention very quickly, and usually these things are overblown in the press. So I wouldn't be overly concerned uh, about it. I am actually I actually am curious where the name Corona – why do they call it a coronavirus? So maybe I'll check that out. Um, but the uh, – what is it? It doesn't really – it's Middle East Respir- – officially named Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Um, interesting. Crown like spikes. Here we go. From the crown. Ah, the coronavirus gets its name from the crown like spikes on its surface, according to the CDC. Corona is Latin for crown. OK, well, there we go. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Uh, but you're always going to have the media that tries to tell you about these these things. And, and you should be aware of it and be cautious about it. I do think that Trump also should probably take some action. I mean, we have we've already established the president of the United States can for reasons of national security, safety of the public. Uh, limit certain travel from certain countries. Um, And I think that we might want to make sure that we're being very careful about people coming here from parts of China that are affected by this, especially if it spreads very, very rapidly. Uh, But keep in mind that in any given year, thousands and thousands of people die from just the standard flu. In fact, most flu viruses, the influenza that uh, we think of, which, by the way, have you gotten a... Are you a... uh, Oh, well, you know, do you get the vaccine, Producer Mark? Are you a vaccine guy? For the For the, uh, flu. For the flu,
5: obviously. I have my regular vaccines, yeah, yeah. obviously. Uh, my doctor told me I was allergic to something with the really? flu vaccine, so I've never gotten it, no. Oh.
1: I might, I might actually get it this year. Just, really? Yeah. because You was, know,
5: we're going to have to stop kissing each other Hello. Make get oh, well, sick.
1: There we go. We got to stop sharing scotch out of the same bottle too. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a thing for people now. And
5: sharing a toothbrush—really gross. Oh, come on! Man. <laughs> <laughs> too far.
1: No. This, yeah, there's a line. There's a line. <laughs> producer Mark. Good. Good God, man. Uh, that's that's actually a great. Is that a Seinfeld thing where she's like, "Come on, Jerry," and she wants him to use the same toothbrush? No.
5: The, the the episode is that he accidentally drops her toothbrush in the toilet, and before he can warn her, like he took it out of the toilet, put it on the counter. And then oh. she used it, so he had to break up with her. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. That's a rough one.
1: You know, I always think, too, with, with a toothbrush, people just, like, use it, put it there, use it, and put it there. Shouldn't we probably sterilize the toothbrush? You know, shouldn't we have, like, a thing? You know, yeah. why why don't we have— We put like it in people... a
5: plastic container every time.
1: Yeah, but I feel like people are much more cautious about— you know they're what they're drinking out of on a daily. They'll make sure that's really clean. You don't want any you know residue from yeah. your last cup of coffee. But you just sit there with I mean, how many times do you do you actually? I know you run under the water. Yeah. How many times do you
5: actually clean your tooth? I'm gonna get gross for a second. Oh, so man. you know how you have the blowers in like the public bathrooms, the, the, the hand dryers. People say those are people full say of, full of poop. Oh, it's really yeah, like poop residue. Oh, fecal matter. Fecal yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like imagine in your own bathroom, you flushing the toilet all the time. It's the same concept. Well, I guess, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's a lot know. less disgusting because it's you it's and not, you not thousands, and thousands of, people, of strangers.
1: Yeah. Yes, and you know, we and we have very good hygiene. So yes. this is important, you know, you and I we've now it's making it sound like we're like roommates. And we're
5: disgusting people. Yes. No, <laughs> yeah,
1: but but uh, no. I I just think it's interesting about the, the toothbrush thing because you know I change mine probably every every six months. Are you an electric guy by the way? Yeah, of course. Game changer. Yeah. Game changer.
5: You don't have to sit there for as long.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I It's there's no question in my mind that you you want to be somebody that has an electric toothbrush if you can.
5: It's I, just. I use a manual one on the on road. Bed. Like if you go on a trip somewhere, it's not the same. Um. Often. Yeah. So. You know, uh, oh, coronavirus.
1: So anyway, what I was trying to tell you about this: is that uh, the the flu the flu virus usually comes out of it, it transits from livestock, usually in uh, in Asia, often in China, because of the huge amounts of human to livestock interaction, because of all the uh, it comes out of pork and poultry farming there, and the virus can mutate and it can get kind of bad and scary. But in any given year, you have people who um, You have thousands of people who will die from just the standard flu. Usually the young people and and old people are people with compromised immune systems. Uh, But what I'm just trying to say is I remember when there was an outbreak a few years ago of one of these things and people were like, they didn't want to go to Mexico. I also remember when Zika, oh, my God, Zika, everyone was totally freaked out about it in the Caribbean. And now you don't even hear about it anymore. I mean, it never even comes up. So, you know. Take sensible measures. Be aware of these things. But for 99.99999% of the people listening to this, it's probably not going to be anything you really have to think about or worry about. And I think this is where the media falls into its habit of saying, you know, the thing you know, under your sink that could kill you unless we tell you about it first. And everyone goes, oh, I have to know. Um, they, they run with these stories about outbreaks of different things. But the truth is that at any point in time, we could have a, a flu strain that is uh, very deadly and the worst one of all time. I'm always amazed at how few people really know this. Um, but one of the worst pandemics in history and certainly the worst in modern history was the Spanish flu, which was within living memory of, well, I guess now probably not so much really. But, you know, your, your grandparents might very well have remembered um, the Spanish flu epidemic. Uh, it's, it, it killed 40 to 50 million people around the world. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that if you're looking, oh, this is actually fascinating. I'm looking at the Arctic right now. If the great pandemics of history, you have, hold on, I'm going to skip the really, really old ones, but you had the Black Death in 1350. That's one that everyone's pretty familiar with. Came through Sicily, Sicily. it was actually the, it wasn't rats, it was the fleas, on the rats, uh, and they believe, I think, that that might have killed up to a third of, uh, of people living in Europe at that time. And then you had the Colombian exchange, they call it, 1492, where the European explorers brought smallpox, measles, uh, and, and other diseases to the native populations, which wiped out over 90% of the North, of north and South continents uh, of North and South America here, which is pretty astonishing. Um, really the Aztec Empire was destroyed by by smallpox. So people always discuss the genocide of of Native Americans. There was terrible violence used against Native Americans uh, by European explorers and also, by the way, against each other at different times, but that's another conversation. Uh, But the eradication of Native Americans really came through uh, unintentional germ warfare. Um, Then you had the first cholera pandemic of 1817, the third plague pandemic of 1855, This is all really scary stuff. I actually worry about pandemic disease. Pandemic disease is something that I don't think it's enough. As we're sitting here getting lectured by the climate change nuts about how we need to take these massive, we we need to make these massive changes in order to be sure that we don't go extinct. I always want to say, how about we actually spend, think about what we could cure And how many more treatments we would have for really frightening diseases if the money that's being wasted right now on trying to stop CO2, which is what plants breathe in, from going—and they don't breathe, but, you know, photosynthesis is what plants take in through that process. Uh, Hashtag science. But if we're going to spend money on something like this, shouldn't we spend it on saving uh, people from disease, including from pandemic disease like this? I mean, coronavirus doesn't look like it'll be that big of a deal globally, but you never know. It could mutate. It could get worse. Um, this is stuff that that people that really care about science and, and know history do worry about. Not the world melting because we're not all riding bicycles to work every day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, it's time for Roll call.
1: Roll call. And as promised, I am here to make sure that we don't get too distracted today with conversations about other things. I want to try to make sure we get because you got a lot of messages in the inbox because I was out for a few days. And so now we get to it. Alice right? hey, Buck, I'm beginning to wonder what the heck is going on at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine Is the whole country a money laundering operation under our complicit noses? The IMF hesitated to release funds because of fears the money would be misappropriated, which means stolen. But when Trump asks a question in advance of USAID, he's impeached for it. Something is very rotten. Yeah, Alice, I I think we should get more answers, I guess, about what was going on there. Uh, Because if this is going to be the grounds for the impeachment of a president of the United States, you would think that we would have uh a little bit more you know it, you would think that we could at least get journalists to give us a little bit more of a factual basis for these claims instead what you have is they just say things that they don't that aren't in evidence and they treat them like they are and they try to suppress things that they don't like so there's a lot of that going on mike hey buck glad you're back you wouldn't believe rush was also away last week so there was a void on the airwaves Anyway, just want to know how your Mark Stein impression is going. I, ha- I had, I'd have to listen to Mark uh, Stein to see if I could really do a Mark Stein impression. It's you know he has a very unique a very unique accent, so I don't know if I can just I don't want to just jump into it because that would be uh, that would be ill advised. I think, David. Hey Buck, great to have you back. A little feedback about Ben. He's great, but sometimes I feel like I haven't studied for an exam when I listen to him fill in. Dude goes deep, which I respect, but wow. Keep up the great business of taking serious issues and breaking them down in a more palatable presentation for those that don't live inside the Beltway. Take care, my friend. David, thank you so much, man. I'm glad you like Ben's style, too. We got different different vibes, but, you know, it's good to have you joining and hanging out, my friend. Thank you. Charles, um, love your show. Charles, love the message. Thank you so much. That's all short and sweet, producer Mark. It's how I like it. You know what I mean? People just want to say, Buck, high five. Your swoop is amazing, and you keep me safe and warm at night. They're welcome to just write that in.
5: Major sleazebag. Hey! Was, uh, he was calling you that. I can't control what he says. That's I'm sorry. That's false.
1: That's mean. You're being, you're being a mean Mark. Today. I didn't do anything. Did Mrs. Wayne Mark the make clean up the dishes last night and take out? This is like mar- married life. Huh? This is what happens.
5: Mr. Mark was uh, home at 2 a.m. last night, oh, so he
1: yeah. didn't clean anything. Oh, that's why we got a we got a particularly yeah. grumpy Mark in the hut today. Fair enough. Wow. Well, are you guys in a house or apartment by the way? Apartment. Apartment. No. Nice.
5: Well, I you think I have house money. Come
1: on. I, you know it's all the same. It's all the same to me. It's all too expensive. Uh, Rocky Fox News is drifting left more and more all the time. A uh, good example, missiles lobbed at base in retaliation for the U.S. assassination of Soleimani. Well, Rocky, thank you for writing in. Um, I think actually I just saw that uh, it was nice to see that Bill Hammer, was a, he was a really nice guy. I like Bill. Uh, his his debut in the slot that was once occupied by Shepard Smith, which never made— I don't know why that guy was able to stay as long as he was. I mean, it never made sense to have that guy in that slot. He's He's a lib. And uh, already, Bill Hemmer is getting better numbers, which is not surprising. Which you know, I'm just—they should have put Bill in the spot a long time ago, as far as I'm concerned. Um, hmm, Let's see here. Philip. Shields high, Buck. Ben is among your two best stand-in hosts, along with The Godfather. On action movies, Buck is right. Jesse is wrong. Well, that's not surprising. Master and Commander is a great movie. Saving Private Ryan, Blackhawk Downer in my top five. Don't forget A Bridge Too Far and The Longest Day as classics and consider watching The Beast. The story is not great, but from my firsthand knowledge, I can tell you the tank crew drills are truly authentic. Huh. The Beast. Are you? Do you know about this movie with the, the tank?
5: I do not. All Sounds right. interesting. Interesting.
1: Okay. Speaking of the beast, I'm gonna to have to get into beast mode in the gym today because I'm gonna try. Because you know, we, we did producer Mark, we did kind of promise the audience we were both gonna get into fighting shape by June. Yeah. And
5: how's I that? haven't been to the gym once since. Uh, how's that coming along? I haven't been to the gym once since. Yeah, but
1: okay. but well, you know, abs are made yeah. in the in the kitchen, my friend. How's that coming along? Oh,
5: not well. You know, free free impeachment food do stuff like that. Um, Mrs. Producer Mark does most of the cooking, but I can cook. She pretty solid. She is very she good. Yes. Skills. Yeah, she yeah. has skills.
1: That's a good yeah. thing to do. But what what what's like. If if Mrs. Producer Mark is going to be super late at the office and you happen to have the day off, for example, what are you Sure, going like to
5: I'm cooking like the best thing I can yeah, cook. Yeah, exactly. Like Probably like camp. chicken cutlets. Ooh, yeah. okay. My grandmother's recipe. Nice. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Uh, right. I'm guessing you don't know how to cook. Oh, I cook very well. Really? Oh, yeah, no, no. Oh, no, surprising. no.
1: I'm going to I'm gonna have to throw a flag on this one. I cook very you're, well. You're
5: a Manhattanite. I expect a lot sure, of seamless. I, I should,
1: <laughs> oh, I order a ton of seamless. But no, it's really, I didn't cook at all until I found out about uh, celiac disease. And then I realized like- Well, so then you kind of have to, Yeah, because right? yeah. otherwise you're on the phone all the time, especially if you're going to order in from- Restaurants where the English is not fantastic to explain, sure. you know. Excuse me, are you sure that there's uh, there's no gluten in your in the sauce you're using? They're just like what, and they just want to hang up on you. They're yeah, like, You, you ask gotta... for
5: the gluten free pasta and you don't get it. Yeah, stuff exa- like that. exactly. Yeah. And then that that's actually happened to me before, and that's not fun. So
1: no, no, I I cook pretty well. Breakfast stuff good. Uh, I do well with that. I do uh, all kinds of meats very well. I actually made dinner for my entire well, not my entire family. I made a dinner for my parents and my sister and their dog. Uh, my parents <laughs> hold dog. on.
5: You cooked for the dog? No, I mean, they came over. <laughs> the dog got, like, dog got a little scraps from the table. It seems like you like gave the dog a plate. No, no,
1: no. I mean, you know, the dog does. At the table. I will say at my parents' house, the dog is allowed to sit in a chair like a human sometimes. <laughs> it's a small dog. That's adorable. So, yeah, it sits there. I have photos of this. I, I think I posted some of it on. Everybody listening should follow me on Instagram, so then they can see these things for themselves. I post, like, random photos from my life. But, you yeah, know, the dog sits there like a little, a little furry white statue and just hangs out. I
5: feel like that'd be a little much if he also got, like, a plate. Oh, oh no! There's.
1: I mean, the plates go on the ground, but we we, we get the dog. This is. A I mean, very, giving
5: the dog some human food fine. This is a like Manhattan French table, bulldog. This know. is
1: a spoiled little little pup. Oh. Yeah, and also she's gotten a little a little more uh, full figured in her old age, and she's she's all white. You know, she's an all white. Uh, and, and so I tell my parents that she looks like uh, a baby seal. Sure, you know, because they're like just basically blubber on the ice yeah. and they're white so that they can't get seen by the polar bears as easily and get eaten. and then they get darker as they get older. So she looks like she's a French bulldog, but she looks like a baby seal. So anyway, <laughs> my parent, my mom fantastic. gets mad
5: at me. she says that i'm I'm gonna give her a a compliment now you're saying it to hundreds of thousands of people. yeah so no she she's, she's
1: Tallulah looks like a baby seal. It's just, it's just fact hashtag true. So I, I try to just speak the truth here on the show all the time. But, yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to be a little healthier on the eating, get to the gym a little more, do some compound exercises. We'll see how it goes. Um, so, yeah, let's get to – I wanted to do some Team Buck emails, but that's uh, – there we go. Okay. Uh, Bonnie. Hey, Buck. We are sure missing you. Hope you return soon. Uh, Ben's great, but he's not you. Guess we've just gotten used to you and your jokes and cut-ups, and Ben is very different. Please return soon. Of course, we're watching that funny Jesse. He is always great, too. Um, uh, we never see Dana because I never turn on the TV during the daytime. We watched Mike Slater today. I had some laughs with him. Love what he said about the upcoming trial and how they're going to be begging to get it over with because they can't have their phones with them. He is a clown, too. Hope your trip goes well. Return soon. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much. I'm glad you, uh, you appreciate when I... When I am here, that is a that is a good thing. Um, that is a helpful thing. Uh, let's see, Christian. Hey, Buck. Does your co-host look like Richard Belzer? Because it sounds just like him. Wait, do you, did I talk about you, <laughs> producer Mark? I saw that you, one, and I'm like, you I sound your co-host. Like Richard,
5: <laughs> 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 do you do you sound like Richard Belzer, the guy from Law and Order? No, that's not Richard. Isn't is that? Yeah, Richard? I googled Richard Belzer. It's the guy from SVU. Is, it, is he wait is he also from uh he's from West other stuff Wing? too I from,
1: don't know I gotta see who Richard I got I want to know who when who you this see guy him you're like oh
5: that guy Richard Belzer who the heck is that
1: oh. wait a second I know who this guy is yeah he's a huge lib by the way he's very, I think he's
5: passed away
1: oh whoops
5: so he's not a huge anything right now
1: my bad yeah Sorry, <laughs> RIP, R- 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 I didn't know, but uh, he, was, he was a lib back in the day. Whoops, sorry. Okay, um, <laughs> we'll skip past that one, my fault. So, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't think he, I don't know, I have to go back and listen and see if that's really a thing. Andrew, on the show from two days ago, producer Mark uh, was talking about Clemson being in Alabama and being rivals of the Crimson Tide. I believe he was walking, He's talking about Auburn. Yeah, 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 thanks, Buck. Andrew, you are correct. We already—he got a code red and then some for that one, so don't worry. He has been thoroughly—he has been thoroughly cleansed of his sins as a result of thinking that Clemson was in—was in Alabama. Uh, Joe writes, "Buck, good pod today." Uh, and then he sent me a clip. Thank you so much, Joe. I'll check that out. Judy, the president's attorneys are worrying me, especially Jay Sekulow. Any way you might help them. He was struggling with words and phrases. Sort of getting concerned. Judy, I'd be happy to help. They could call the Buckster into the service anytime. time. You know, the White House, they, they know how to reach me. They could probably use me in their comm shop. But, uh, you know, nope. Going to give that job to the mooch back in the day. That was a pretty stunning decision, wasn't it? Uh, Frank, next up here. Tell producer Mark that the Rutgers Scarlet Knights football team are on their way back, and they will be the New York New Jersey college football team under <laughs> Greg Schiano.
5: <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. it's Frank, Frank is not. He's not convincing no. you. Look, Rutgers basketball fantastic this year. All they're right. actually they're ranked. I think they were number twenty four last week. Oh, okay. Which is like they, uh, I know you don't understand sports very well, but Rutgers is the Big Ten. They used to be in a much lower conference. The Big Ten okay. is one of the bigger conferences, so they're. Up against stiffer competition, it's taken a while for them to get uh, acclimated. What's
1: considered the most elite basketball
5: conference? Basketball for, for usually it's the ACC. That's ACC, Big East, Big Ten's up there. Yeah, What's the, the ACC? Power Five, Atlantic Coast Conference. Okay, so what are some? That's someone's... where like Duke and UNC. Uh, okay, that area. makes. Sense. I know those schools. Yeah. So yeah, okay. and the SEC is the big one for football. Ah.
1: Yeah. And that's like southeastern, like Southeast Alabama, Alabama, Alabama Georgia. Georgia,
5: Florida. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah, I'm learning a little bit about,
1: about college sports. I got to know these things. So when I'm, I'm hanging out with uh, in a bar with other yeah. Americans during March Madness, yeah. which is a thing I keep hearing which about, which I now believe for many years. one
5: of the, uh, one of the rounds at the Garden or Barclays this year, so it's it's in town.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. We still have to get our our uh, by the way our our Islanders <laughs> Islanders, Islanders tickets. You know, you, you don't want to no, say no, Rangers. No, but no, it's gonna be Islanders. I tickets. I've seen those Rangers tickets are expensive. My God. Um, but anyway I did go to a Knicks game actually pretty recently yeah you can
5: get in they pay you that's how bad the Knicks are
1: Yeah, the the Knicks were not good Yeah, they lost by like almost 40 points I'm not surprised I don't even
5: need to ask who they were playing
1: not a good scene Um, Justin I keep my Twitter, Facebook and politics free but I want to know that I discovered your podcast and I think you are fantastic Justin I think you are fantastic thank you for listening to the show man congrats in finding it and I'm honored and pleased that you are joining us and listening to it. So, yes, indeed. Um, hey, Buck, this is from Dale. Listen to your sidebar of Bruce and Mark on the national championship game. Couldn't let this go. Okay, this is on Clemson again. We're still. We're, gosh, there's still. We're still getting Clemson stuff here.
5: That was. That's like it's the middle of January. You're reading old emails. That no, that was a
1: Facebook message. Really? Oh, yeah, that was. Okay. A, I'm telling you, that just came in. Hmm. People are very, people ups- are very upset, very with upset me. at you, Producer Mark. I'm glad
5: people go back and listen to the old shows. Thank <laughs> That's you.
1: That's true, too. All right, now we got Chris up in roll call. Remember, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. You can also send us an email, teambuck at iheartradio.com or iheartmedia.com. What's our email address? Is it iheartmedia? teambuck oh.
5: at iheartmedia.com.
1: Thank you. iheartmedia.com.
5: iheartradio is the app.
1: Yes. I got so much I got to remember all the time. I'm trying to save the republic here. I'm apparently supposed to get back in shape. I got a lot of things going on. I'm writing a book. Sure. It's almost done. Yeah,
7: it's almost when, done. And, Page one
1: fifty. Uh, Page one fifty. Yeah. How, right how many now?
5: pages do you have to write?
1: Like another thirty or forty.
5: Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll be seeing it this year. Wow, that's cold. Um, <laughs> it's gonna happen though. It's I think you started talking about it when I got hired. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah.
1: So it's been you know it's been a little while. Chris writes for a blast in the past. Watch the final option. An 80s movie based on the Iranian embassy hostage rescue. It's typically 80s, but SAS participated in the making and the final takedown is spectacular. Was changed for the movie to be the U.S. embassy. Good action. I have never heard of this one, Chris. So I'd have to I'd have to check this one out. Um, uh, I'm trying to get through some other stuff these days in in the show realm. I end up. Wa- I just. And the problem is, I end up just throwing on the Office so many times, and I just. I just want. When I want, want my brain to just go bleh, like my brain to not do any thinking. The Office is just so. It's so addictive. You just sit there. Every episode is good. They're short. It moves so quickly. Right. What is What is your brain turn off show, producer Mark?
5: What is the? Like, um, The Office is up there, up there. Basically, any sitcom. Any sitcom. Yeah, The Office, Scrubs, Seinfeld. The greatest sitcom of all time for you is what? Oh, Seinfeld by far. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kirby enthusiasm's up there too. You probably won't like uh some of his recent content.
1: Uh is he getting Though, is, is he getting all lib on for us? For the
5: first time he he I I would say he didn't go after Trump, he just made a joke about the MAGA hat.
1: I, I, I'm fine with people making jokes yes. about conservatives that are funny. I think you if you know?
5: look at it from the spec, like because he made fun of the Me Too movement, he made fun of a lot of things, and he's the type of person who doesn't care what you think. If you make fun of everyone, I'm cool yeah. with that too. Exactly,
1: right? Like I, I don't think that it's not it's not a problem when you make fun of conservatives. It's a problem when all you do is make unfunny yeah. jokes about conservatives, I'm surprised, which is like
5: ninety percent of comedians. I'm surprised you don't like Curb Your Enthusiasm just because it's the only show that can get away with anything. I you can do anything more. on that show. I should check it yeah. out some more. I and did see an episode about something called Palestinian chicken.
1: Yes. That was that <laughs> See? That was amazing. That was a good episode. Yeah. I'll go back and check it out some more. So there's a new season on HBO. I'm gonna new have to season, watch yeah. some of this. All right, all right. Maybe we'll watch some Larry David. Gina. Hey again, Buck. So emo is not Green Day. They're more punk like Blink 182. True Emo is all American Rejects, Weezer, Jimmy Eats World, Fallout Boy, and My Chemical Romance. Even though I'm older, this classic music seemed to be a bright spot between hairbands and all out rap. I can send you recommendations if desired. Shields high. Ah, so it looks like you are kind of agreeing with producer Mark on this. I just want to see if I can get us a definition. Why is my, of course, my computer freezes. I got like 10 seconds left on the show here. Emo music definition. What is, because I thought it was like death cab for cutie, was what I was trying to think of. Yeah, music genre on emotional expression, uh, defined by emotional expression. List of emo artists. Let's see what we get. Hold on, producer Mark. We don't have time today. Fallout Boy. I'm trying to th- see the fray. Yeah, the fray is emo. All American rejects. Okay, maybe not exactly what I said yesterday. Yeah, okay, you're right.
5: There's a uh, reason had my wedding. You don't know when what I Clemson is, DJ. but you know what emo is. Boom. I said to the DJ, "Get, get let's get emo. And he played uh, Mr. Brightside and all that kind of stuff.
1: That's going to be the show today, team.
5: Shield high.